and try to be as adaptable and flexible as possible uh, and discover as many opportunities as you have uh, in order to find what uh, makes you inspired and refreshed. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. To help Ukrainians, we need to break the stereotypes. Because Ukraine is not just a former Soviet country, nor Chernobyl, the new generation of Ukrainians today have unlimited potential. This podcast is to break the stereotypes about Ukrainians and show the greatness of Ukraine to the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that, for the rest of his life he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. I couldn't return to Kiev because of the pandemic, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 140 Five people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the vice president of the Helen Marlin Group, to the vice chancellor of the UGCC, to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them, this project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. Also, join the new Telegram channel, Kiev Future, where you'll listen to interesting weekly workshops to help you upgrade your skills. My goal is to make interesting interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians. And the world is listening. This podcast is already top 100 in France and Switzerland, top 60 in the United Kingdom and Japan, top 50 in Austria, Germany and Canada, top 25 on Upper Russia, top 15 in Belarus, Poland and Australia, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, South Korea and many other places, because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people, and this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So, Let's begin. My guest today is Valeria Yefimenko. Valeria is a Benjamin Franklin Transatlantic Fellowship alumna 
which is an educational summer institute funded by the U.S. Department of State. She is a School of Success 2016 by Klitschko Foundation alumna and was a mentor at the Klitschko Foundation Zero Waste School Project. She is a fourth-year student studying applied linguistics and currently, Valeria is a young European ambassador and board member on HR at European Youth Parliament Ukraine. And at CFC Big Ideas, she is an organizer at CEE Government Relations Forum and an organizer at Global Inclusion Online Forum. She adores traveling and has already visited 30 countries. She can speak Polish, English, and Russian fluently and knows German at a B1 level. Valeria, how are you today? I'm doing good, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining me on this podcast. You are welcome. And let's begin with something different. Are there experiences in your life that really changed your trajectory and made you the girl you are today? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say there were lots of projects in my life that changed my life into a new trajectory as you've mentioned, um, but I would probably say about uh, two of them, uh, or maybe, no, maybe three. So uh, in the one, I actually have never taken part, but that was the one with, which made me volunteer and which made me f- discover so many interesting projects as well as so many beautiful and interesting people. Uh, so yes, the first one was the Flex program. Basically, I applied for it twice, and in the second time, I went into the third round, but then I was not selected. Though within the this waiting period, because uh, for six months, people are waiting for the results, uh, I have met and I have um, joined so many uh, interesting uh, groups uh, in Telegram. Uh, where people were uh, sharing about lots of projects they've taken part in. And basically, because of those people, I still do keep in touch with some of them. And um, because of those people, I discovered a whole new world of of volunteering and of civic engagement. Uh, Then the second project which changed me was School of Success by Klitschko Foundation, uh, in which I took part in 2016. Uh, and again, a friend of mine, Andriy uh, Kaszewski, he also took part in it. Um, and afterwards, in 2018, uh, I went to BFTF, uh, which also changed my mindset a lot uh, because I've met there with people from all over Europe as well as from the US. And it made me think more about politics, how they affect our lives and how different we are in the whole world, yet how many same features we share. Thank you. So in many ways, it's people who who you have met along the way and projects that attracted those people. That's what changed who you are and impacted you through osmosis with them. Is this correct? Yeah, indeed. That's very uh, great description of, (laughs) of the things which changed me. Thank you very much. And then... To ask you in another way, these days, these weeks, this period, what seems to be often on your mind, something that you think about a lot because it's important or you're trying to change or improve? 
Okay, that's that's a very good question. Um, well, these weeks I was actually extremely busy with all my projects I'm taking part in, as well as work and university stuff. Uh, but what I was thinking um, about myself uh, is that I'm graduating from the university and now I have to find my own path and I still do overthink a lot about it, like what I'm going to do in the future. Uh, and yeah, so so those are the things I'm, let's say, worried about the most now, like the personal ones. Yes, it's what you'll do in the future, which trajectory you'll take next, correct? Yes. Then let's explore it from another way. What are you really passionate about? And don't just say helping people or volunteering. I mean, more as in your hobbies or things that you really love to do that make you feel truly alive. Maybe there are like hints or signs there that can help breadcrumbs that can lead to your future trajectory, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a in, that's an interesting question. Well, I would obviously say that traveling is one of my biggest passions. And um, although now it's kind of hard to travel, but I still try to. Uh, and I believe that this thing of traveling, of just uh, organizing all the stuff uh, around my trips um, is the thing I love the most. Um, also, I do adore uh, just chatting with different people. And it just makes me feel um, like so, so great. And the last thing I would say that I love swimming. So I've never done it professionally, but I just adore doing it. So that's one of my hobbies as well. Well, let's begin one by one. When it comes to swimming, what is really your favorite part about it? Is it before? Is it when you're immersed in the water? Is it afterwards how it makes you feel? Or what is special about swimming that gives you that feeling so you adore it? I believe that's just the thing, you know, when you swim already in the swimming pool or in the sea especially. It's just this this fact that you stay in the water and that you, especially when you're in the sea or in the ocean, the thing is that this water is huge and it just you do not see the end of it so you just swim in there and you feel yourself so little yet you um understand that you may um okay so yeah it's just the thing that i i adore swimming and i adore this process of swimming itself not the things before or after just no tell me more what is different between swimming in the ocean and swimming in a swimming pool? And tell me more about that feeling of being so little in that huge ocean, yet you can. What? You said, yet you can, and then you stopped. What was going on there? Yeah, it's just, you know, I just could not find the words to explain it properly. So although, like, this ocean is big and you're so small in that, um, you still can stay in there and you can swim in there and the water just, you know, let's say like holds you. So you're not um, afraid of um, being somehow like, you know, drowning or something. So that's just the thing I like. So yeah, you, you just feel calm and you just swim uh, as a like very small person in the ocean. And 
the difference between swimming uh, in the swimming pool and in the ocean is quite uh, huge. I mean, like in the ocean, uh, well, first of all, like swimming in the swimming pool is something um, not that unique because you can go to the swimming pool every day. And I do have a swimming pool nearby my house, so I can just attend it every day. And go to the, go into the ocean or to the sea means that uh, you have a vacation, you're relaxed, and you can just swim and feel calm and calm and calm. And Yes, and you, a small person in the huge ocean, yet the water supports you and you're swimming. How is that a metaphor for life? Great question. Um, yeah, that's that's something, you know, that doesn't matter that you are small. Like, the world is huge itself, but you are small and... Um, there are some people around you who may support you, who may motivate you, and they they become... So with them, you're growing. And for me, that is the metaphor of this. Though. So that, like, no matter that the world is huge and you are just a small person, um, with the help of yourself, first of all, actually, and then with the help of other people who are supporting you, you may grow into something big and into a good person well tell me more about how that relates to those people you've met in your life whether in the telegram groups or flex or klitschko that introduced you to various projects well are they the water that supports you or what's going on specifically about such more special people whether alexi antoniuk or others <laughs> Uh, oh, I am not really that aware of Alexei Antoniuk, so yeah, I cannot <laughs> say anything about him. I mean, we've probably met somewhere, but not that many times. Um, yeah, so those people uh, who mean a lot to me are from those projects um, within which I've met them. Uh, they are actually my kind of support group, and... Uh, they still uncover so many um, adorable uh, projects and so many adorable um, opportunities which are around me and around us in general. And I'm getting really inspired when I see my friends who um, get into the really like high levels uh, achievements in their uh, university classes or uh, in their um NGOs, like NGO projects, for instance, that uh, I understand that like everything is possible and you just need to keep going and do whatever you like to do. And then you can achieve all your goals, which you strive to. Thank you very much. You are involved in many kinds of projects, etc., what is so important to you about those projects, whether they are online inclusion forum, the global inclusion forum, or the European Youth Parliament, etc.? What is to you meaningful about those projects? I believe in all the projects. So we do all the projects for people and with people. And like I'm, I'm a real people person, so I just really get um, inspired by people and i adore that i have this chance to work with them and to i don't like to interact to do some teamwork so it's 
maybe sometimes not even like about the project itself although i love the projects i am taking part in but it's more about um, working with people and connecting them perfect and how is the metaphor of the ocean and being a small person supported by people relates to working with people and connecting with them which means they're not yet supporting you but they're doing something else so how is that part of that metaphor oh that's a great question i just cannot really like connect it um like this ocean i mean like people were supporting me kind of this ocean <laughs> which is uh which is supporting me and helping me to to go to my goals and to um work and to study i don't know i have actually like i haven't really um so maybe you have any connection like maybe you have found any connections so you can just thank kind you of tell me it's your metaphor so it's not appropriate to tell you but then i will ask you another thing when you're swimming towards your goals do you have your goals since the shore and you're already decided on them or are you adapting moving and flexibly going in different directions adapting to what happens in order for your goals to appear and clarify in that metaphor yeah that's actually so like the second thing was adapting and being flexible um is more about me because um although i do have some perspectives of what i'm doing and what i'm going to do but they're not that clear yet i cannot say that like in 10 years i'll be doing this this and that so I'm quite flexible and adapting to the changes. And if I see the opportunity, I would just swim to it and take it when possible. Thank you. Then why do you worry or think about what to do in the future? If your strategy is to jump in, begin swimming, and as you notice opportunities that you don't know yet because you didn't swim in that direction or arrive that far, you will move to their directions. Do you know what I mean? Meaning now you don't know the opportunities that will be there when you begin swimming or moving more forward. So why worry about it if that is your adapting, your adaptability and flexibility coming into play? Worrying means you want to decide already on the opportunities and goals and trajectory and endpoint while they appear on the way and therefore, it's uh, fruitless in some ways. What are your thoughts on this? Well, that's a fair thought. And, you know, that's that's actually my strategy. But um, that was easy to talk about when I was studying at university. So I could have just tried anything and I could jump into one project, for instance, if it didn't match or if I wasn't really um, interested about it, I could just go into the other one. But then... Well, maybe it's something like like the social pressure that you're graduating from the university and if you're not going straightforwardly to one exact work placement or if you're not going to take the master's degree, then like what are you going to do? So basically, that's just the question which is arising from, you know, parents and from family, um, from some friends even. So probably that's more of like, you know, this social pressure rather than my own thoughts because i do have some 
I, I do think about some opportunities, but then, you know, when you're graduating, you're taking this new step into the, let's say, adult life. And when you feel that you're not, um, you do not really have any like set up plan, then you feel that you are lost in some ways. Or at least like the society around you feels that you are lost and they try to say it to you. Thank you. And to ask you something I noticed, you have a bit of a British accent sometimes and sometimes it's American. And then I'm wondering, <laughs> since most of your educational programs are US focused and American, what happened? Why the British accent? Is there a fascination with the British culture or what's going on? Well, that's a good question. Um, I know that I have this kind of British-American accent, which is uh, strange, but um, I do also have some friends from Britain. And before I started all this stuff with the projects, um, I was mostly talking to them. And that is how I got my kind of British accent. And then, you know, also like at universities and at schools, uh, normally we learn British version of uh, of English and therefore probably I just got like something from um, something from school or from university and from uh, interacting with my British friends and then when I got into the projects and all that stuff I got the American accent and now it's combined and mixed. Thank you Valeria and you mentioned the importance of people in your life of communication, etc. What happens, like, what is the most important thing to you when it comes to people, it comes to learning from them, discovering new people and getting that support, etc. Can you share a bit more? Mm -hmm. uh, so what I value in people is that there is their easygoingness and uh, is being open-minded to new people. Yeah, for me, just, you know, interacting with people um, and talking to them and uh, sharing meaningful and deep thoughts with them is very crucial. Uh, and after, after, conver after like deep and meaningful conversations, I um, do become even more inspired, more refreshed. And yeah, that is, that is how I see the communication with people. Inspired and refreshed. Well, refresh sound like being splashed with water, <laughs> but <laughs> inspired and refreshed. Please explain them from your own internal experience, not what someone else will understand, but to you. What does it mean to be inspired? How do you know you're inspired? And what does it mean to be refreshed? And why is it so important or necessary? Okay, so for instance, when I just uh, get to talk uh, to a group of people, again, who are active, who are um, interesting, who, uh, you know, who know a lot, uh, then when I talk with them, I get a lot of new uh, information and insights. And I also try to share my uh, knowledge and experience with them. And after I get out of, this con of these conversations, I just feel that, um, as I've already mentioned, I just feel that like I can achieve everything and I can do whatever I want to do and whatever I don't, yeah, whatever I want to do. Uh, and then when it comes to refreshed, well, 
like for instance when I am a bit out of mood or when I am I don't know like after university classes after work uh, I'm just pretty exhausted then when I talk with people when I have conversations with them after that I actually I do not feel exhausted anymore I just feel as I've mentioned refreshed whatever it uh, sounds like and I'm I'm ready to do anything. I feel a lot of power and a lot of lots of um, new. I just have lots of new ideas to implement. I like that. <laughs> so refreshed. So you have a lot of new ideas to implement and inspired. Mm -hmm. Then you feel you can do anything. Correct. Yes. This is really really wonderful. And so to ask you then even more, it seems to me that. You live in the present a lot. I don't know whether this is the truth, but it is what appears to me rather than the past or the future. And that now when you need to think about the future, it's not the normal way of being. So it's stressful and uncomfortable. Is this correct? Because usually people who like to swim, they like to turn off their mind and just be in those sensations, in those moments. Or when connecting with people, it's about being fully present, sharing your emotions and thoughts in the moment rather than from the past or thinking about what to say next, etc. Is this correct about you? Oh, that's fair. Maybe partly because um, I do like to think about my future, for example, trips. So when I'm thinking about generally, yes, I try to stay present um, in all the actions I do, but I also like to think about the future, especially um, with the things I like to do, and one of them are trips. So, like before coronavirus, when I was traveling, um, I knew uh, half a year ahead that I'm going to like the you know the distant place, and then I was just planning, I was organizing, I was thinking where I want to go and what I want to do. Uh, so sometimes I do also leave with some future plans, with some future ideas, uh, but I try to stay as present as possible. Thank you. And actually, you mentioned earlier that one of your most favorite parts about traveling and trips is organization and organizing the trip itself. Tell me more about that. And why is that fun? Because most people will say it's the trip itself is the funnest part. But to you, it seems so exciting when you are planning the trip before coronavirus, of course, or in a world where corona goes bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, even in 2020, I tried to travel and I uh, got experience as well. But uh, generally before coronavirus, I was traveling a lot to Europe. And I do love to stay in the trips as well. Uh, that's uh, like, there are no discussions about it. But uh, when it comes to the organizing, I don't know, like, I just like the process of, because normally I um, try to travel either with my parents, with my friends or by myself. Um, and we, we try not to go to the all-inclusive hotel where you just go to the um, tourist um aid like tour agency and you just you know pay and you have everything included already but uh, although now I do travel sometimes like this as well but um, 
in the in the past uh, normally i booked everything by myself so those were the tickets for the flights then uh, i went on booking.com and i could have stayed for like two or three hours on the booking itself just to find the appropriate accommodation then um I think like two to three weeks before the uh, actual trip, I was thinking where I would like to go and just set up the list of the places I would like to visit. Um, and then, you know, like a couple of days before the uh, trip itself, I was already like packing my stuff, just uh, checking what I want to take with me. And that's exciting as well, isn't it? It's fun for you, therefore, <laughs> the excitement before everything and is that also why you organize events and projects etc is it similar with the excitement or because it's not really about trips it's a different kind of flavor of emotion yeah i've never thought about a connection of um the organizing um the trips beforehand um, and i have never you know connected it with the organizing of the events but yeah to some uh to some extension it is also like the organizing of the events uh before they actually happen is also just the thing i like to do uh because again like you have to find the venues you have to find the speakers and that's all really exciting because like when you have already the event you see the outcomes of your work and that's nice but um the whole things which become um so which were beforehand were more um full and you've got a lot to do before the actual event so i think like having the event and having the trip it's already the outcome of your work uh, and therefore i like this um stuff which i do beforehand even more because i do thank you yeah mm -hmm. and therefore why isn't it as exciting to be figuring out the process of figuring out what your future will be if it's when you find what your future is, it's already the outcome. You already know there is the answer and it's not maybe so exciting. So why isn't that same excitement transported and transplanted in that direction? Is it because of this peer or social pressure or what is going on that is stopping that excitement of planning and figuring out and finding answers about the trip and finding and figuring out ways to solve problems and figure out what to do for events well your future is another project and you're now organizing it why isn't this so exciting well that's fair i mean again like you you just have such a deep um, explanation of like what is going on and again i haven't uh, i haven't seen it from that prospect but now i think about it like this because I find it actually exciting now so that like planning that the future is my project and that now I do the steps to plan it and to organize it. But yeah, I believe like in terms of, as you've mentioned, like it's probably more about this peer pressure that, you know, um, if you are graduating, you already either have to like have the straight work, uh, like full-time job, or um, you just have straightly like to go to the master's degree. And those are only like two ways you can, you know, achieve the success or something like this. But that's thank you, but that... then <laughs> you're letting people organize your project for you. So they're taking all the fun out of it and making the project and you're just uh, 
passenger. <laughs> You're not the organizer <laughs> anymore. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I just have to take everything in my hands and that probably is the best outcome of this conversation. Thank you a lot for this. I have, you know, I have thought about it from different perspectives. You're welcome. And do you have a favorite book, a favorite movie, a favorite piece of music, or even a favorite place that you really love? Uh, yeah, I do. When it comes to the books, uh, I adore the trilogy of The Hunger Games by Susan Collins um, and also Harry Potter, as well as the same will, be, will go for the movies. And when it comes to music, um, I do not have like that favorite song, but I do have some favorite um, stars, so like pop star singers, and those will be Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande. So I adore uh, listening to uh, pop music. Um, and the favorite place, I do have like my top five of the places um, which I loved the most when I was traveling and which I would even consider as places to live in. Uh, at some points of my life, if it was possible. And those are Gdańsk in Poland, Berlin in Germany, um, Valencia in Spain, uh, Washington DC in the US, and uh, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So you're a believer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I haven't, yeah, I have became a believer, uh, I believe, like half a year ago. So I'm just like a newbie. Tell me about the Hunger Games, the books. Is there a character that really you relate with, to a lot? Or what is about them that resonates with you and make them stand out from every other books you might have read? Mm, I do not really have... Well, of course, like everybody thinks about, you know, Katniss Everdeen and everybody probably would love to be her because she was so um, strong and she... Uh, she, she was a very, um, well, how to say this, like, um, she, she volunteered for her sister. Um, I cannot really find this, like, adjective, how to describe uh, her, you know, her action. But um, I believe that I just adore the story behind it. So it's a dystopian, um, it's, a, it's a book about dystopia. And I just like it because because of the story, because of the plot itself. And I think it kind of sometimes looks like our real life where people are like protesting and people uh, try to find the truth and for me that story is somehow related also like to Ukraine. Really? How does it relate to Ukraine? Well, you know, like when we um, like have the government and it changes all the time and uh, sometimes people are um, protesting. So, yeah. Let's say it like this. So in the Hunger Games, the plot is that each year there are Hunger Games, which are um, a tribute to the war, which kind of ruined everything. And like there was a huge collapse. But in fact, it's um, no more than a lie than a lie from the government. And then um, when those 74th Hunger Games begin um, and like Kidness and Peter, they uh, win the games. And then in the 75th game, um, like people start rioting and people uh, start to uh, not to believe to the government. That's, I believe, like uh, how the protest is showed. 
and in Ukraine we do did have lots of protests because people are not um, in the solidarity with the government and with the governmental actions. So I think like that's that just showed the strong will of those people in the Hunger Games, and it shows also like the strong will of Ukrainians who are um, who have um, this courage to. Uh, go in the protest and to show that they um, have another opinion and that something should be done elsewhere. And all in all, like although in the Hunger Games, the whole action does not really finish in a good way because uh, lots of um, good characters are killed, but that's what they paid. Like that was the tribute for the free country and in Ukraine, it's the same. So lots of people paid tribute uh, for Ukraine to become more free and independent, all in all. So those are Thank the parallels you. I find. Mm -hmm. Yes, wonderful parallels. And to speak about your top five places, and many of them are totally opposite or different. Can you share each? What is so special about them? whether Valencia or Washington, D.C. or Amsterdam or Berlin, etc. About, you know, share each place, what is so magical about it and why would you consider living there for a while? Mm -hmm. uh, so though they're quite different, but I find that Berlin, Gdańsk and Amsterdam do have more or less the same features. They're, they are both... Um, Historic, like they are both um, having this historical treasure, treasure. So they have like a rich past, but then they also have those uh, new, extremely nice buildings. And I like this uh, kind of split of the architecture. Uh, and when it comes to Washington, well, I just loved it when I was there. Although I have been there only for three days, so maybe it's not that much to consider it like as a place to leave, but. I just adored the atmosphere which was there. I um, liked how, um, I would say I've been to Philadelphia right before Washington and it felt so different. For me, Washington felt more like um, like a home, like home place, you know, and uh, the place which was calm and mighty at the same time. And I loved that, you know, atmosphere. Um, and when it comes to Valencia, I was there when I was 12 and I just loved, again, I can also like say that it's uh, somehow connected to Amsterdam, Berlin and Gdańsk because there were nice um, architectural objects, which were old ones, but also like the culture, the Spanish culture is something I adore. Uh, and at the same time, um, there was that huge complex with the um, Ocean Oceanarium, so this oceanographic museum and um, all the complex was somehow futuristic. And I just, again, adore that combination of those two things. So that is why I love those places. Thank you. And is that related to you somehow that you have an old uh, like history or architecture or culture and at the same time you're futuristic, etc. and modern or just in architecture and in city planning that's something you like does it relate to your personality and who you are as a person um i cannot say so uh but i just i just love the architecture itself so this combination although um 
in the past, I wouldn't say that I uh, loved it when I was younger, when I was like 9, 10, 11. Um, when I was 12 and I was in Valencia, I loved it. But then when I went, for example, to Kiev and I saw those um, this split, I just hated it. And uh, in the course of time, I understood how actually nice it can look like and how great it can be. So I believe it's not something really connected to my personality. But again, I did not dig uh, deep. So maybe it also a part of my personality as well. Um, but for now, it's more like liking this architecture. Thank you. And why then did you choose linguistics rather than becoming an architect? Oh, I have never had any plans about being an architect and uh, I still do not have them uh, in my, you know, in, in my perspectives even um, because I'm, I'm really bad at painting. <laughs> I can repaint something, but I, I'm not that good at painting to, you know, to become an architect because there you need to be, you, you have to paint uh, very well as well as you have to be really like precise and you have to know all the things how to connect them so yeah that's i believe it, i believe that's not my kind of stuff i just like to uh sit and to become inspired but i do not want to be an architect thank you so since you explained earlier what is inspired to you and what is refreshed does it mean that those architectural places give you the feeling that everything is possible that you can do anything because refreshed is different. You said refreshed means that you are full of new ideas and ready to implement them. So is this more about inspiration and they give you a feeling of being limitless or what's going on? Mm, great, great question. Um, well, I wouldn't say um, that it just gives me the power to think that the world like that everything is limitless um in terms of like when i just see the architecture but yeah let me just restate maybe it was not being like inspired or something but it's just like in the way how it looks like and yeah just be excited to see that this combination can actually exist and that um the architects and those people like the urban planners they could combine those styles in in one in one city so yeah maybe it's not about like you know being inspired finding new ideas and so on and so forth but it's more about being excited how how people actually um created it and how it looks like in the end so it does not look you know ugly or something but i just look at the way it should look and the way it should um yeah and the way um and this way it looks fine yeah that's it yes i know those cities they're wonderful they look great and to you now since this is really good now a little bit about the projects you're involved with can you share some information as well as if people want to be involved or to learn more which websites or social media links should they go to to explore what you're working on right now? Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for this opportunity as well. So uh, in case uh, anybody is interested in European Youth Parliament, uh, which is an NGO um, which works in Ukraine and more than 30 countries around Europe, 
uh, with the central office in Berlin. Uh, then you should check our Facebook page, which is EYP Ukraine. And uh, when it comes to the Young European Ambassadors, that's the initiative um, which is also which also covers whole Europe uh, as well as Eastern Partnership countries. And if you want to check this opportunity out as well, you just need to go to the EU neighbors um, EU neighbors.eu website, and here you can find uh, more interesting um things about young european ambassadors actually the call uh, for the young european ambassadors is ongoing so whenever i want to jump in this um great project great communicational project where you can do basically any uh, project you're interested in um, either ecological or uh, educational or anything you can just uh, try to apply and get selected and then you'll be a part of young european ambassadors community thank you very much and before we end if you listen to your heart and find some piece of advice or lesson that is valuable for you as well as to the listener what would you say maybe it will impact a person's life and make their day or week or period of pandemic and afterwards better Okay, so the thing I've taken from this podcast is that uh, you need to be, um, you do not need to overthink a lot about what future holds and uh, what would you do in your life in the future. So if you're um, a graduate student like I am, or or actually not, so if you're a student who is graduating like I am, and you still have not discovered yet, what would you like to do in the future, which is an eternal question. Just think about it as the project and try to be as adaptable and flexible as possible uh, and discover as many opportunities as you have uh, in order to find what uh, makes you inspired and refreshed. That'll be my uh, like kind of words of wisdom, if I can mention it like this. Inspired and refreshed. I like that. And you're swimming in the ocean, supported by the people who you can count on. And if anyone wishes to communicate with you or to follow you, what is your the best social media for you to do that? Oh, it can be anywhere. I'm just checking like all my social media. So maybe Telegram is the one where I am most approachable. So you can find me on Telegram as Valeria Yefimenko. And maybe if you can share my Telegram, that would be great. Or my Instagram as well. Thank you very much, Valeria. And I wish you a great, great day full of inspiration and full of refreshment. <laughs> thank you, Ella. It was a pleasure to talk with you, Aziz. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. And have a nice evening as well. <laughs>